Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and thank you for standing by. Welcome to the Metro Inc. 2021 Second Quarter Results Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To ask a question during the session, you will need to press star one on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to Sharon Kadosh, Manager, Investor Relations and Treasury. Thank you. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Our comments will focus on the financial results of our second quarter, which ended March 13, 2021. With me today is Mr. Eric Laflèche, President and Chief Executive Officer, and François Thibault, Executive VP and Chief Financial Officer. During the call, we will present our second quarter results and comment on its highlights. We will then be happy to take your questions. Before we begin, I would like to remind you that we will use in today's discussion different, st different statements that could be construed as forward-looking information. In general, any statement which does not constitute a historical fact may be deemed as a forward-looking statement. Expressions such as expect, intend, are confident that will and other similar expressions are generally indicative of forward-looking statements. The forward-looking statements are based upon certain assumptions regarding the Canadian food and pharmaceutical industries, the general economy, and our annual budget, as well as our 2020-2021 action plan. These forward-looking statements do not provide any guarantees as to the future performance of the company and are subject to potential risks, known and unknown, as well as uncertainties that can cause the outcome to differ materially. A description of these risks, which could have an impact on these statements, could be found under the risk management section of our 2020 annual report. As with the preceding risk, the COVID-19 pandemic constitutes a risk that could have an impact on the business, operations, projects, synergies, and performance of the company. We believe these statements to be reasonable and pertinent at this time and represent our expectations. The company does not intend to update any forward-looking information except as required by applicable law. I will now turn the call over to Francois. Thank you, Sharon. Uh, good morning, everyone. I hope uh, everyone online is in good health. Uh, we started cycling the peak sales at the start of the pandemic last year in the latter part of our second quarter, especially in the last two weeks. Our second quarter sales totaled $4.2 billion versus $4 billion last year, an increase of 5.1%. Food same-store sales grew by 5.5% for the quarter, on top of 9.7% for the same quarter last year. Pharma same-store sales were down 0.8%. Our gross margin stood at 20.2% of sales versus 19.7% for the same quarter last year. The increase in gross margin was mainly the result of a continued strong performance in our core food business. Operating expenses, including 29 million of COVID-19 expenses, represented 10.7% of sales versus 10.3% last year, a ratio that was positively impacted by the fact that we experienced a strong surge in sales in the last two weeks of the quarter last year due to the pandemic, but with no incremental COVID-19 related expenses. Our teams continue to do a great job at finding ways to mitigate part of the increase in operating expenses. The 29 million in COVID expenses include 8 million of gift cards that were given to frontline employees. EBITDA for the quarter totaled $396.1 million, that's an increase of 5.9% versus last year, and represented 9.4% of sales, the same margin as last year. Adjusted net earnings were $194.7 million, compared to $182.8 million last year, an increase of 6.5%. Our adjusted net earnings per share were $0.78, cents, up 8.3% versus last year, adjusted EPS of $0.72. Cents. And again, earnings in the second quarter last year were favorably impacted by a surge in sales due to the pandemic with no incremental COVID-19 related expenses. Our capital expenditures for the second quarter totaled 119.6 million versus 95.1 million last year, 
As expected, higher CapEx is uh, meaning the result of some carry-forward projects that got delayed last year due to the pandemic, namely our Ontario Automated DC. At the retail level, for the first half of this fiscal year, we opened one store, an Adonis in Quebec City, relocated another one and carried out major renovations in seven stores, representing a net increase of 56,000 square feet, or 0.3% of our food retail network. Following the end of the quarter, we opened two new stores, one Metro Plus in Prévost, Quebec, and one Food Basics in Curtis, Ontario. Investments in technology at the store level are also ongoing. We now have about 260 stores with self-checkouts, and we're planning on adding another 90 this fiscal year. Also, we now have about uh, 120 stores equipped with electronic shelf labels, and we're targeting another 90 by year-end. Under a current normal course issuer bid program, we have repurchased between November 25 of last year and April 2nd of this year, 4.25 million shares for a total consideration of 238.9 million, representing an average share price of $56.21. I'd like to close my remarks by reaffirming that our financial position remains solid. That's it for me. I'll now turn it over to Eric. Thank you, Francois, and good morning, everyone. We had very solid results in the second quarter, delivering sales growth of 5.1%, EBITDA growth of 5.9%, and adjusted EPS growth of 8.3% in what can only be described as a challenging operating environment. Our teams continue to demonstrate great dedication and resilience to serve our communities. I'm grateful for their, work, for their hard work, and following the most recent government measures, we announced last week that all our frontline employees would receive a third gift card bonus in May in recognition of their commitment, whether they are in a lockdown region or not. We continue to apply the most rigorous safety protocols for our employees and customers. Food same-store sales were up 5.5% in the quarter and 10.1% excluding the last two weeks when we saw the initial surge in sales last year at the start of the pandemic. We continue to gain market share and the market environment is very competitive as always. Our internal food basket inflation was 2% down from 2.5% in the first quarter. Transaction count remains significantly down versus last year, but is again more than offset by the larger basket size. Promotional ratios trended up quarter over quarter but are still below pre-pandemic levels, due mostly to the larger basket. Online grocery sales grew by 240% for the quarter versus one year ago. Volumes in our hub stores remain strong. We are on track to have 170 click and collect stores by the end of September. Our partnership with Corner Shop continues to grow, and we recently added our Adonis banner to this same-day delivery service. The Montreal Dark Store will open this summer as planned and provide us additional capacity. Finally, we will be expanding our online hub delivery, home delivery service to the Ottawa market this summer with the opening of one hub store and several click and collect stores. Turning to pharmacy, comparable sales were down 0.8%, with prescription drugs up 4.2% and front-end sales down 10.5%. The core RX department remains very solid. However, as we indicated on our last call in January, the restrictions on the sale of non-essential goods in Quebec for about six weeks, combined with a much milder cold and flu season, negatively impacted commercial sales in the second quarter. At the end of March, our affiliated pharmacists in Quebec started to administer COVID vaccines, albeit in very small quantities due to limited supply. Some 450 of our pharmacies in Quebec and most of our pharmacies in Ontario and New Brunswick will participate in the vaccination effort, and we are working closely with the authorities to accelerate the pace of vaccination as more supply becomes available in the coming weeks. The transfer of the Brunet pharmacies to the Coutu DC, as well as the Metro and Super C stores for health and beauty products, has started and will be completed in June. This is the last phase of our three-year integration plan, and we anticipate savings of about $10 million next year in distribution and warehousing costs as we will operate in one facility. As you know, one of our strategic priorities is the modernization of our supply chain. In February, we started the operations in phase one of our new semi-automated produce DC in Toronto. 
About two-thirds of our stores are now supplied from this facility, and the transfer will be completed in the next few weeks. Post-ramp-up, this new facility will provide increased capacity and better quality for our stores. It is always challenging to start a new DC, even more so during a pandemic, but our team is doing a good job to manage the expected transition costs. The new fully automated frozen DC is in the final stage of construction and systems will be commissioned over the next months in time for a January 2022 opening. Looking ahead, the recent lockdown measures in Ontario and parts of Quebec continue to favor food at home consumption. In Q3, we expect food sales to stay elevated compared to pre-pandemic levels, but as we cycle the peak sales of the start of the pandemic, we expect comp sales to be negative for the quarter. In our pharmacy division, we expect continued growth from prescription drugs, and subject to the evolution of the public health measures, we expect front-end sales in the short term to compare favorably to last year, given the serious restrictions to access to pharmacies that were in place during the first wave of the pandemic. So our priority remains the safety of our employees and customers, and we believe we are well positioned to continue to deliver value to our customers and shareholders. We will now take your questions. To ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Karen Sharp of Barclays. Please go ahead, your line is open. Hi, thanks very much. Um, wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you're thinking about inflation as we go through the rest of the year, um, and then how you're just generally thinking about what the cadence of traffic versus basket may be as we get into the third and fourth quarter, given that there's so much volatility in both of those numbers um, for the remainder of the calendar year. Thanks. Um, well, inflation expectations are, uh, again, uncertain, but um, we we had pretty muted inflation in the second quarter, down a bit from the first quarter, like I said. We saw we saw some inflation in uh, in produce. Uh, what what's ahead of us uh, will depend on a bunch of factors. Um, um, on the grocery side, uh, we understand that there are some cost increases. Uh, uh, being asked or coming uh, due to production cost increases from our from our vendors, so there could be a bit of inflation on the grocery side. In the fresh department, again, there are many factors at play. FX, Canadian um, dollars stronger uh, this year versus last year, that should help us a bit uh, to offset some of the inflationary pressures. But net-net, we don't expect uh, to the inflation picture overall to change that much. Um, you know, the the the, the one and a half to two, two and a half percent number is something that uh, we think is uh, is realistic. But again, no crystal ball, and and it is volatile, and it is uncertain. As far as traffic is concerned in our stores, um, uh, traffic trends, I said, are, are down year over year. Uh, as we cycle the pandemic, uh, we're, we're going to be uh, improving traffic trends. We're going to see the basket uh, be more normal versus last year because it's COVID against COVID. Um, so I think we, we, we need to look at it going forward on a two-year basis um, and see what our growth is. And we're confident that our sales will, will remain very strong versus 2019 on the food side. And then just to follow up on that, on the promotional environment, um, I, I guess what's your perspective in terms of how that environment will look, you know, as we're looking several, I guess, quarters down the road in terms of the competitive landscape broadly? I mean, obviously, all retailers know that the negative comps are a function of, I mean, obviously, very, very unusual comparisons. But how do you frame that with respect to how the competitive environment may look in the next several quarters? Thanks. Um, well, it's, again, we can't speak uh, for, for others. Uh, I just said we, we are looking at our week-to-week -week sales, our market share every, every week. And our sales versus two years ago, that's really uh, the, the bottom line for us. The promotional environment, uh, I said, increased quarter over quarter. We expect that to, to, 
to continue and, and normalize. I, I think it's a, it's a very competitive market out there, uh, always has been, and, and we expect that will continue. Um, if, the bar, if the basket stays uh, larger versus, uh, versus uh, two years ago, uh, I think that's helpful for, uh, for the promo ratio in the sense that uh, a fuller basket uh, will have a, a, perhaps a, a smaller share of promotional items in it. So, you know, we're confident that we, we uh, in a very competitive market with promotional promotions increasing, we're confident that we can, we can manage through that and deliver good value. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Your next question comes from Kenrick Tige of ATB Capital Market. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you, and good morning. Um, Eric, I wonder if you could provide any insight on the makeup of your basket. I understand it's a larger basket, but if you could provide any insight in full services to how consumers are shopping and you know, perhaps whether they're filling their baskets by buying up or where there's any material change in the basket composition. And, and second to that, have you seen any differences emerging between, you know, that, the basket in full service versus Quebec, uh, in Ontario versus Quebec as, the, as we sort of rolled through the, uh, the pandemic? Um, well, the makeup of the basket, again, it's, it's a larger basket and uh, there's a higher food at home consumption. So clearly protein, meat, fish, remain uh, up uh, pretty uh, substantially versus uh, pre-pandemic levels, so that, that continues um, in, in both of our conventional and discount banners, perhaps more so on the conventional side. Um, in, in terms of promotional mix, I've, I've spoken about that already. It's, it's below pre-pandemic, but inching up every quarter. Um, uh, you know, it's a full basket. People are shopping around less and uh, concentrating their purchases uh, in fewer stores, one store or a couple of stores. So um, that makes up for a fuller basket that's representative of all the departments, uh, you know, with with, um, with the protein uh, sector uh, benefiting a little more. Thank you. And then just quickly switching to pharmacy, you know, obviously you know, lots of beauty and cosmetic sales are, are lost for the market. But as we look, again, look, look forward, what levers do you believe you're able to pull uh, in the uh, Quebec market to either try and drive increased share or otherwise uh, in that beauty and cosmetic space on any sort of normalization of behavior through the summer here? Uh, you know, how do we think about the evolution of beauty and cosmetics? It's certainly a, a business that has been under you know, marked pressure over the last year and trying to tease out you know, how that could evolve and what levers you could pull to try and drive any sort of real uh, recovery or acceleration through the back half here? Well, I, I think we're very well positioned uh, with Jean Coutu uh, and Brunet. We cover all of uh, the Quebec market extremely well. Uh, our market share um, uh, in, in prescription drugs is strong uh, and as well in, in HABA. Coutu uh, uh, has a strong promotional uh, strategy uh, I think as uh, more and more people get vaccinated, I think traffic uh, to our pharmacies will, will improve. And I think with a strong merchandising and promotional program, we will be able to, uh, to gain uh, more sales than we have over the past 12 months where it's been, a, it's been challenging for pharmacy for sure. So as I said in my opening remarks, depending on how the sanitary uh, measures and restrictions evolve, we expect that over time they will, they, they will gradually be uh, eased and, and uh, uh, removed eventually, uh, that will benefit uh, our pharmacy network on the beauty and cosmetic side. So, another lever is e-com. Uh, we're growing uh, the e-com business on on, uh, on the pharmacy side uh, gradually. Um, we expect that to continue to grow. But the biggest strength, the competitive advantage, is our retail network and our reach and, and our uh, uh, strong merchandising promotional program at Jankutu. Thank you, and congrats on the results. I'll leave it there. Thank you. Your next question comes from Michael Vanels of TD Security. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, yes, thank you. Um, can you help us uh, with understanding the compensation that pharmacists are getting for the vaccine uh, administration? 
Um, I don't have the specific dollar amount uh, by heart that uh, we could get back to you, but there is a negotiated fee that the Association of Pharmacists negotiated with the government. I think it's $17 or $20 in that range that the pharmacist will earn uh, for, for vaccine administration. On the distribution side, because we are supplying uh, the vaccines from our Jean Coutu warehouse in Varennes, um, so uh, he will also make a, a, a small distribution fee that was negotiated with the government, the Ministry of Health. So uh, this is not a huge money maker. It's, it's a community drive to accelerate vaccination, um, but there is some compensation. Okay, and that 17 to $20 kind of negotiated fee, is that over and above the costs or is that to, to cover some of the costs as well? The cost of the vaccine, there's no cost for the vaccine. No, well, sorry, like your PPE and, your PPE and things like that, the materials. Well, it's to, it is to cover that, uh, you know, okay. their time and their expenses related to the vaccination efforts. So, but not the cost of the vaccine. But not the cost of the vaccine. Okay, great. And then, um, as you see, uh, we're, we've been laughing COVID now just for, I guess, several weeks or a month or so um, from a year ago. And I know that the traffic is still below pre-pandemic levels, but are you seeing consumers getting more comfortable with coming back into the store versus where they were three, four quarters ago at the, at the start of the pandemic? And and are they, you know, does, are they, does that mean, if, if that's the case, does that mean that they would be, you know, doing a little bit more of the cherry picking and willing to go to more than one store? Uh, similar to what they were pre-pandemic, or are we not there yet? I don't think we're there yet. Um, uh, people, you know, I think we saw over the, the first part of the, the second quarter traffic, traffic trends, you know, uh, versus the previous year, somewhat somewhat better than, the, than in the first quarter. And then more restrictions came down, lockdown measures. So, you know, it's, it's very volatile and uncertain. So I, I would say that the, the level of comfort has not materially changed. Um, uh, and, and certainly in the last uh, couple of weeks, it, it, it's, its level of comfort is, is, is more challenging as, as more measures are adopted and, and, and cases climb. Um, so it's, uh, I, I wouldn't call it uh, more comfortable and then the shopping around. So I think we're, we're still in a world where people are concentrating their purchases with their, with their main store. I think the key is uh, establishing trust. I think we have done a great job over the last uh, 14 months to uh, secure the trust of our customers with rigorous controls, protocols, greeters in every store, uh, sanita extra sanitation. So I think that served us well. We're getting good customer feedback from that in our surveys. So um, I think we're in a good position to continue to serve our communities and, and uh, keep them comfortable in our stores as much as we can. Okay, thank you. And then finally, uh, just a question on your operating expenses. Uh, for the first three quarters or so of the pandemic, it seemed like you were uh, excluding COVID costs. You're, you're kind of flat to down a little bit uh, year over year. And then now we, we've seen a, a return to growth in operating expenses uh, in this quarter. Are there certain main categories of spending that is coming back uh, at a quicker pace now. Oh, Michael, I think it's uh, I, I think it's uh, we're back in you know excluding the COVID expenses. You're back to a more normal uh, ratio. You know we're at 10.7 this quarter uh, versus 10.3 last year. But last year, as we said, there's, there's a lot of extra sales due to the beginning of the pandemic with no related COVID expenses. So that 10.3, uh, you know, compared obviously was affected favorably. No, so if you if you remove those COVID expenses, uh, you know the the increase year over year is under two percent. So uh, so uh, I think that's a normal that's a normal uh, a normal trend year over year, uh, given uh, given the uh, the environment we're in. Okay, so none of the like the the advertising expenses or other um, other S, like SGNA or. I guess travel's not back yet, but any, not, none of the other expenses are coming back yet in any particular magnitude. No, there's no, there's nothing unusual. It's pretty. When you remove the specific, you know, I mean, obviously the bulk of the increase is in wages, and then you have some in maintenance, you have some in supplies for the masks, the gloves, et cetera. 
you remove that, the 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 the, the lines of operating expenses are pretty pretty much in line, except of course uh, travel is is not as high as it was, but uh, it was never a big expense to begin with uh, in our company. All right, thank you very much. Your next question comes from Irene Natal of RBC Capital Market. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Thanks, and, and good morning, gentlemen. I uh, just want to continue the discussion a little bit about e-commerce. We saw uh, a, a not surprising uptick in e-commerce uh, sequentially in Q2. Wondering what you were seeing just in terms of timing and how it might have related to lockdowns and uh, sort of what types of behavior you saw in Quebec during during the early lockdowns that you know may or may not be you may or may not be seeing now in Ontario. Sorry. Um, there's no there's no uh, change in behavior uh, uh, of customers uh, in the quarter versus previous quarters. I think the big difference in the uptick in our in our e-com volume is is our added capacity. So there's there's effectively two hub stores uh, extra this quarter versus the same quarter last year. We we added one in Toronto and we had just started one in Quebec City a year ago. So effectively there were two two uh, more hub stores uh, uh, selling in Q2 versus Q2 last year. The COVID uh, not COVID but the corner shop partnership continues to grow nicely. So uh, we're getting good growth there in, in both uh, of our markets. So those are the large contributors to the increase in our e-com volume. Uh, click and collect stores are being deployed. We're about, we have about 45 done uh, uh, as of today. We, we, we are on track, we hope, to get to 170 by the end of our fiscal year. So that, again, will we'll add more capacity. So it's, it's more a question of capacity. In terms of bookings and uh, you know, uh, trying to get, a, get, get your order delivered in the next day or so, uh, I think it's a lot better than it was a year ago. Uh, our systems are, are, are better. Our capacity to serve is, is a lot better. So, you know, we're not at full, full capacity. There are some windows, delivery uh, windows uh, that are, are open midweek. Uh, at the peak of the pandemic, it was, it was uh, completely full, as you remember. So we're not there, but we're, we're seeing very strong, good, solid uh, sales from our hub stores. Um, that, that remains. But the growth is, is what I just explained. That's great. Thanks, Eric. And what has been the early consumer response to the click and collect? Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not overwhelming. It's ramping up. It's, it's, uh, uh, I, I think there is a demand for that. Uh, certainly in, in some more, uh, I should say, lesser density, smaller markets, we, we expect that there will be some, some, some demand for, for that service. So we're managing through that uh, store by store. Some of our affiliates in Quebec are participating. Uh, the volume is is not high, uh, but again, it's uh, it's it's work in progress and and ramping up nicely, contributing to the overall online sales number that we report. Uh, but the you know the majority of our sales remain uh, in our hubs and delivery service and corner shop. Uh, that's great. Thanks, Eric. And I know you don't give channel performance, but from your overall commentary, you know, with, with consumers still consolidating their shopping, is it fair to say that um, conventional r remains is, is robust as a channel? For sure. Yeah, conventional is strong uh, in both of our markets. We're pleased with our discount performance also, but yes, uh, conventional is, is still growing ahead of discount. That's great. And one final question, um, if I may. I just want to come back to the promotional intensity. Uh, you notice that there was an uptick sequentially in, I guess, the, the penetration of, convention, of promotional items in a basket. But what about sort of, I guess, the how hot are, like the, the promotions are? Are, are you seeing uh, other players in the market step it up a little bit or consistent? Uh, it's, you know, I said in my opening remarks, it's very competitive, always has been. Uh, yeah, there are weeks where we see some, some aggressive uh, promotional items. Uh, you know, it's, it's happened before. It, we, we saw some of that in Q2. Um, uh, you know, we, we, are, we are competitive ourselves. So, it, yeah, some weeks are hot. Um, but overall, I, I would think it's pretty consistent. That's great. Thank you. 
Your next question comes from Mark Petri of CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Yeah, good morning. Uh, just to follow up on a couple of the topics I've already discussed, um, I wanted to ask about sales mix uh, versus the pandemic-impacted period last year. Um, obviously, you've adjusted your stores and the offering given the changes in restrictions and, and, and customer preferences, but I'm wondering what you're seeing you know, in categories like prepared food uh, versus last year, as well as something like private label penetration. So, um, thank you. So, prefer prepared food uh, has been in decline ever since the start of the pandemic uh, for in our conventional stores. It's, the good news is uh, it's, it's improving. It has improved over the last couple of quarters. We're not back to pre-pandemic levels. Uh, a lot of our prepared food is sold through urban stores, and urban stores are, are, are under pressure for the obvious reasons of uh, no office workers, no students, university students. So we have several of those stores that are, are affected. Um, uh, in our more suburban stores, prepared foods are are, are, are selling pretty well. Uh, you know, the chicken pizza programs; those are those are still always very strong. But the overall prepared food sales are still down versus pre-pandemic, although Im improving. Private label continues to penetrate really well. I think uh, it, it's, been, it's been really strong uh, throughout, the, throughout the pandemic and continues to be strong. So our, our penetration of private level continues to grow in both um, dry uh, grocery um, as, as well uh, as in the, in the uh, perishables. So it's, uh, it's, that's, that's very good performance. So there's, there's less pantry loading going on right now versus a year ago. You all remember the first few weeks uh, of the pandemic last year, there was a lot of uh, loading, stockpiling, uh, grocery especially. So we're not seeing that uh, as we cycle uh, the pandemic, but um, you know, we're pleased with our sales. Yep. Okay, great. Uh, and then on, on online, uh, I understand, you know, you have more capacity, so that's a key driver of, of the growth. Um, but maybe versus Q3 of last year, when you put up a similar growth rate, I guess, is it fair to say that more of the growth right now is sort of in the number of transactions, whereas last year, maybe it was more basket size or transaction size? Somewhat, yeah. We're, you know, we have more customers uh, because we have, we have more... Uh, stores more capacity the basket size uh, remains very healthy uh, uh, in online um, it, it might be down a, might be down somewhat from from the peak of the pandemic but it's, it's still a still a strong basket a full basket um, so it's it's mostly number of transactions no number of customers okay and so then in the with the acceleration in the online sales versus versus q1 or, or q4 uh, do you have a sense of, you know, how many of these sales are sort of new to the Metro network or if this is more people sort of substituting from the source? So consistent to what we've said before, uh, we're attracting mostly new incremental business. There is, there is for sure some cannibalization from existing Metro customers, but uh, what we see from the, from the uh, loyalty data that we have is we're getting a higher share of the wallet of existing customers who are shopping both in-store and online. So I think that's number one. We're attracting some new customers to the Metro Banner with our online offer and our service. So that's new business. And yes, there is some, some transfer from brick and mortar to, to online, but overall, it's an incremental uh, contribution to sales. Okay, appreciate that. And then just last one, I guess, probably for, for Francois, um, you know, could you just, with regards to the, the investment in the distribution network, you know, you guys have said that you expect to generate your targeted rate of return on that investment. Could you just give us a clearer sense of the timing uh, of that? And, and is that return generated entirely in labor savings or what else are you including uh, in that analysis and those assumptions? Well, it's a, it's a long-term project. Obviously, the return is on, uh, is on several years. Uh, this is built for capacity for the, you know, for the foreseeable future, so it's not a, it's not, you don't achieve it day one, but you achieve it over a period of time. Uh, the bulk of the saving is, is as you point out, it's, it's mostly labor, a reduction in labor, operating expense, but there's also some benefits in terms of in-store servicing and, and optimizing of uh, 
transportation costs and so forth, but the bulk is in uh, lower operating expenses, labor. And down the road, we expect uh, with those new uh, DCs that are automated, semi-automated, that we will be able to reduce costs at store level. Uh, receiving um, in the stores, um, planned labor around the, those receptions, I think it's going to be... Uh, It'll be an improvement versus an today. improvement versus today. So we're not quantifying that, but it's going to be part of the picture to get to get the return that we uh, we are hoping to get. Okay, I appreciate the color. Thanks a lot. Your next question comes from Vishal Shrida of National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi, uh, thanks for taking my questions. Um, just on, on real estate, uh, wondering what your perspective is as you chat with landlords. Do you perceive better availability of real estate, more favorable terms as you renew? And um, what should we expect for real estate growth going forward? Is that kind of like a 0.5% growth uh, number, kind of a good target? target? Um, so, you know, we, we, um, we're always looking to develop uh, and open stores where it makes sense for us to, to grow our presence, grow our share, uh, really market by market, banner by bar banner, uh, with uh, full financial analysis to see uh, to see. Uh, that makes sense for us. So no change to our strategy. Um, there, there are perhaps some opportunities, uh, but not that many, where we, we we see a ton of real estate available for our for our supermarket format. Um, in pharmacy, uh, you know, we cover the market pretty well. Uh, we're mostly focused on relocations, uh, expansions uh, on the pharmacy side. So I wouldn't call it a changed market for real estate because of uh, uh, the difficulties you read about commercial real estate in general. I think that grocery, pharmacy, um, uh, real estate is healthy, and there are not that many new opportunities out there. So we, we are working hard to, to find good locations in, in markets where there's growth. So we opened uh, Adonis in Quebec City in the quarter. It's off to a very good start. Pleased with that. Uh, we just opened a Food Basics in Curtis, uh, outside of Oshawa, uh, so, and one uh, affiliate of Mitto, just uh, north of Montreal, opened uh, another store for, 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 their, for them. So, you know, there are a few stores planned every year. In terms of square footage expansion, you know, 0.5% to 1% is, is, is our regular number, and, and uh, that's what you should uh, plan for. Okay, thank you. And um, as a result of this pandemic, uh, are you noticing um, a changed approach from uh, from the various governments with re with regards to how they view community pharmacy? I know in the past there were reforms implemented with, without much input from uh, from pharmacy. Do do you uh, perceive um, governments viewing pharmacy in a different light now, or is it too early to say? Well, I think the, the Quebec government uh, adopted a law last year to allow more medical procedures to be performed by pharmacists. So I think the government's been on a on a, on a track or a journey to to uh, have pharma community pharmacies participate in, in the delivery of health services to unload the public system. So I, I think that's a positive uh, uh, feature, uh, or it's a positive event for for our pharmacy business and our pharmacists. And that was started before the pandemic. I think uh, you know the influenza vaccination was one example. Now we're participating in the vaccination for COVID. So I think it's just reinforcing, uh, I think, the government view that the pharmacies can play a, a, a more of a role in the delivery of health services on the front lines. And I think they've proven that and will, will prove it during the vaccination for, for, for COVID. So uh, I, I think the, you know, the, the, the shift has started and, and it, it should just go... Uh, forward a little more with, with the pandemic. Okay. And regarding your, your digital offer and your, and your loyalty data, does Metro, has Metro examined the opportunity to sell advertising or on your websites or, or, um, or provide your supplier partners with, um, with um, more advanced data, data analytics um, for, for a fee? Is that something that's on the radar that you're examining or, is, uh, or you're, you're pleased with your offer as it stands? So uh, we've been uh, uh, providing data analytic services uh, through our Dunhumby partnership for over 10 years to our suppliers. So 
we've been at that and doing that for, for quite a while. Um, so we, we work with our vendors using the services of the uh, data analysis that uh, is provided by Dunhumby. So our merchandisers, the vendors, uh, uh, both use this data to, to work on our promotional programs and, and be more efficient. So that's we've been at that, and we have monetized that data uh, in, in our relations with our suppliers. As far as advertising, not there yet. Uh, we're, 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 it's something we're going to be we are looking at, uh, and we'll see. We're, we'll see, uh, and we'll announce if and when we get there. We'll, we'll announce it. But it's something we're aware that very large retailers are doing. Uh, in the U.S. especially, uh, what's the opportunity for us to do it? It's something we're looking at. Thanks for the color. Your next question comes from Peter Sklar of BMO Capital Market. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Uh, good morning. Um, just a question first on your gross margin, which was up 50 basis points year over year. Um, do you think that's lar that improvement is largely mixed? because you're kind of comping against the, uh, you know, that two-week uh, pantry loading last year where there would have been a lot of lower margin things like toilet paper and, uh, and other supplies? Or do you think there's structural improvement that's ongoing in the gross margin? How would you think about that 50 basis points? Well, mix is a part of it. Uh... Conventional uh, is strong. Fresh departments, uh, meat and produce are strong, so that's healthy for the gross margin. Prepared foods are down, which which is a which is a negative. But overall, the large basket size in all of our banners on the food side is contributing to a healthier margin. Um, I think discipline uh, in our merchandising uh, is is also a contributing factor. High sales performance produces shrink in stores, which is also a contributing factor. So, it's it's a it's a mix, uh, very much related to um, a mix a mix of contributing factors, very much related to our our strong sales volume, uh, and you know good operations, good merchandising, that's delivering this. So, call it structural. And I think that may be a little pushing it. Uh, I think we're doing what we've always been doing, uh, with a higher sales number. Okay, thank you. Um, my next question is just on the COVID costs. You had kind of this quarter the uh, 21 million of core costs plus the 8 million of gift cards. So I think you the total COVID costs were 29 million in the quarter. Like, is that kind of what it's going to look like in um, uh, as we like through Q3? Uh, you know, assuming the the gift card cost is about the same, and then. Um, when we do get back to the the new normal, that 21 million core run rate that you have, does does that? How much do you think that comes down by, and how much carries on? So, to your first question, Peter, uh, uh, you know we've we've announced a gift card, so you can assume it's going to be a similar uh, similar amount. Uh, although the quarter third quarter is four, is uh, four peers instead of three, so you have to factor that in. But the the gift card itself will be the same same amount. Um, and then going forward, you're right. It's uh, it's tough to say because it's uh, unclear um, how many restrictions, you know, how where, where that's going to de develop uh, restrictions. Uh, uh, there will be some easing, but there will be there will be some cause that will stick for sure. Um, you know, I don't think greeters are going away uh, anytime soon. Uh, disinfecting and cleaning that's going to remain. Um, so it's, it's very hard to say how much of that. You know, expense uh, will will come down, but it it, it maybe come down a little bit, but it's going to be in the, in the short term. It's going to be similar to what we posted today. Okay, um, and then just lastly, I just have a question on the the dark store you're developing on the island. Is is the business case around that for same day delivery or next day delivery, or it's going to be a combination of both depending on when you receive the order? It's going to be both, but I would say the majority is going to be next day, but there will be some capacity for same day. So it's built for both, um, and it's built mostly to add capacity and improve efficiencies um, by, by, you know, picking in one location only, uh, only for, for online as opposed to have customers pick in the same store for their orders. 
So, yeah, it, it's built for both, and it's going to be more efficient and add capacity. And under the current model where you're fulfilling delivery from, from stores, um, are, are most of those deliveries next day as well, or do the stores have more capability to deliver same day? We have some capability to do same day. Uh, you know, we're optimizing deliveries and, you know, fine-tuning our systems and cutoff times uh, to, to be able to, do, to, to give same day. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the majority, as I said, of the sales are, are, are for the next day. But there is some capacity to do same day from our stores today. Okay. Um, thanks very much. Thanks Thank you. you. Your next question comes from Patricia Baker of Scotia Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is open. Oh, thank you. Good morning. Um, I just want to return to the topic of the automated uh, DCs, Eric, and, and maybe share with us a little bit about the plans that you have for that uh, changeover, how long you think it will take to fully transition or ramp up the DC, and will you be running the old DC in parallel, and if so, for how long? So, uh, as I said uh, in, in my opening statement, we, phase one fresh is our DC uh, facility in, in Toronto. It's, it's the first phase of two phases for fresh, and it starts with produce. Um, we're we're uh, transferring stores as we speak from the old facility, which is next, literally next door, to the new facility. Uh, that will be done over the next month or so. Uh, you know, we're, we're in the ramp up. Uh, change management phase right now, not easy, but going getting through it as, as expected. So that's going to take a few more months. Uh, you know, of, uh, we're not going to be at peak productivity uh, uh, tomorrow, but we'll, we'll get there over the next uh, few months. Con confident about that. When once we have transferred all the stores from the old facility to the new, we will demolish the the, the old facility and make room for uh, uh, the phase two of our fresh, which will be fully automated. And that's when we'll eventually in a couple of years, we'll, we will transfer meat and dairy from the facility that's not too far away from it uh, at Dundas. But you know, it's, it's, it's a multi-year plan and we're gonna do it gradually in phases. And uh, uh, we have the team, I think, uh, in our logistics and, and distribution to manage through that. Uh, it, it's some heavy lifting for sure. But we're we're gonna get we're we're gonna manage through it uh, as we always have. So it started in pro produce and then uh, next uh, January we we will do the frozen uh, facility which is fully automated. Uh, that's um, finished basically construction's finished but the systems are being commissioned and it takes it takes a while with Vitron. And uh, again that that will be a fully automated uh, DC. So again there will be some ramping up there. Uh, we expect that to be. Uh, manageable and uh, we're, we're going to absorb those costs as, as part of our uh, part of our results uh, going forward uh, and if there are periods that are tougher we'll, we will tell you but uh, <laughs> I think we have a good plan to, uh, to manage through this okay thank you and then just um, in your remarks you talked about uh, or I think it was Francois talked about investment in one area of investment self-serve checkouts I think you said you have 260 now 95 more to come uh, in the remainder of the year. Can you just share with us sort of the distribution of those, are those primarily in the conventional uh, banners or are we also seeing them in the discount? Well, uh, you know, we're doing it in both. So uh, again, it's a store by store analysis where we think it, it pays off and where it accelerates service for customers, reduces hours for us um, and, and, you know, it generates a, a good return by increasing service with the self-checkouts. On the electronic shelf labels, we have focused a lot on discount to, to start, to, 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 to be more efficient uh, on that side, but we are, we are rolling them out to some conventional stores also, but it's been, mo it's been mostly on the discount side for shelf labels, and SCOs, it's, it's on both sides. Okay, thank you. Then just one final question. I'm just curious about the gift card and uh, for employees and your experience there um, in terms of uh, redemption. Is it pretty immediate and, uh, uh, you know, almost full redemption that you're seeing with those cards? Yes. Employees appreciate the gesture. They appreciate the recognition. Um, and uh, for sure, they are redeemed. Uh, it's not 100%. It's very, very close. And it, it doesn't take much time. Okay, thank you. That's what I expected. Thanks. Thank you.
There are no further questions at this time. I'll turn the call over to Mr. Kadosh for closing remarks. Thank you all for your interest in Metro, and we will speak again soon to discuss our third quarter results on August 11th. Thank you. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc what's so special about hero bread's soft fluffy and delicious breads buns and tortillas hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.